Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Magyanatimarandasya Gyananguna Shalakaya, Chakshuran Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Manchakopa Turubias Chakri Pasandubiyevacha, Tatita nam bhavani bio vaishnavi bio namuna maha jai shi krishna chaitanya prabhu nityananda shri advaita gadadhara shri vasari gurubhakta vrinda hare krishna hare krishna 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 hare 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 rama hare rama 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 hare hare so no one could pacify nishingadev until his pure devotee Five-year-old boy, Prahlad, enters the scene and starts offering these prayers. The chapter is called, Prahlad Pacifies Lord Nursingha Dave with Prayers. So, chapter 19, uh, verse 19. My Lord Nursingha Dave, O Supreme, because of a bodily conception of life, embodied souls neglected and not cared for by you cannot do anything for their betterment. <clears throat> whatever remedies they accept, <clears throat> although perhaps temporarily beneficial, are certainly impermanent. For example, a father and mother cannot protect their child, a physician and medicine cannot relieve a suffering patient, and a boat on the ocean cannot protect a drowning man. Now, now, we all know that parents can protect their children. We know that sometimes doctors and medicine do relieve a patient and, and a boat that works <laughs> um, can help, can stop us from drowning. Uh, the point being that without, uh, that, you know, um, they all run on Krishna's energy. The father and mother have the super soul in their heart. The same with the physician. The medicine is created by earth, water, fire, air, and ether, the combination of those things. The boat is also a combination of, uh, so everything is, is Krishna. So it doesn't mean that we don't do our best. It just, it, it just read the first uh, sentence. Uh, through parental care, through remedies of different kinds of disease, and through means of protection on the water, in the air, and on land, there is always an endeavor for relief from all kinds of suffering in the material world. But none of them are guaranteed. That's the point. They're not guaranteed measures of protection. They may be beneficial temporarily, but they afford no permanent benefit. And, and you know, that means beyond this lifetime, right? <clears throat> um, so then uh, the sentence I really wanted to focus on is a few sentences later, where Prabhupada writes, ultimately, the shelter is the Lord, and one who takes shelter of the Lord is protected. This is guaranteed. Now, again, that protection doesn't necessarily mean you're never going to get sick. You're never going to, you know, die, but it's it's a it's a protection of the soul of um, not endeavoring uh, in in um, experiencing repeated birth and death. But this idea or this uh, point that ultimately shelters the Lord, and one who takes shelter of the Lord is protected. So that is a deep meditation, right? We we need to. Um, well, we don't need to, but we should choose to, if we want to be, become really great, good devotees, to find our shelter, our rest in um, our solace in Krishna.
as deeply as we possibly can. And the interesting, the, well, the, one of the key elements of that is that it's not linked to external circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have our, we may have some financial security, we may have some abilities, some intellect, some strength, or some beauty. Uh, we have our family, we have maybe ISKCON, um, and these are all okay, but what is at the center? What is our ultimate shelter? And that should be deeply in Krishna. Because the key is the internal condition of the heart. And then, um, and if it's not, then we are, we will be shaken by the different circumstances that happen to us in our life. Because there has to be upheaval. There's always going to be, uh, one upheaval or, or another in life. Um, maybe not this week, this month, or even this year, perhaps, but it's, it's guaranteed. And, and, you know, when life seems like out of control, we, we tend to want Krishna's help to change the externals. But rather, what Krishna's probably looking for more, or not probably, what he's looking for more is a changing within. Uh, our prayer and through prayer, kind of relinquishing our, our hold on circumstances that are beyond our control. Um, and, and we need to kind of give our, our, our circumstances and our illusory control of them to him. And the result is, what's, what's really interesting, the result is internal peace, regardless of the external circumstances. We, 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 we often feel in, um, discontent and we blame the imperfectness of the external circumstances. Um, that, that discontent is an internal state. Um, and it's, 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 it's connected. We connect it to the external circumstances. But the better, better is to see when we feel some fear, we feel some discontent, see that as Krishna calling us closer to him. We tend to blame everything out there. And what happens is, you know, opportunity lost. We, we, we miss the point. So as hard as it is to develop this kind of, you know, advanced consciousness, we gradually at least have to abandon the notion that our circumstances must change. Because, you know, external circumstances, they're dictated by our karma, ultimately Krishna's desire or sanction. And, you know, this, every self-help book will tell you this, so this is not new, but it's our freedom is in our response and in our attitude, right? Self-help books will say there's a stimulus and you should put a pause before you respond. So that, that can be applied in Krishna consciousness. Things happen to us and we pause and we remember what Shastra says. We remember the example of great devotees and then we fine tune our response. It's not knee jerk. And this is our free will. This is our choice. So the challenge in difficult times is to accept the shelter of Krishna and accept the process the Abhideya, the process of Krishna consciousness, you know, to, uh, to hear about Krishna, um, to, to remember what the scriptures, uh, say about, you know, his power and his care for his devotees, right? To understand his position, you know, Krishna says, Aham sarvasti prabhavo matas sarvam pavartate iti matbhavajanti mam buddha pavasamandita, that I am the source of all spiritual material worlds. Everything emanates from me. 
And then when you gain that knowledge, what do you do? Uh, you engage in his loving service. So we remember his power. Remember his care for his devotees. Yoga, Shema, Maham, Yaham. I preserve what they have. I carry what they lack. Then we can turn to whatever problem, whatever challenge we're exam- uh, experiencing in our life and declare our full, you know, um, our full surrender to Krishna and dependence upon him. <clears throat> Arjuna is a great example of this. The early, in the early the first canto of the Bhagavatam, when the Brahmastra is coming at him, and he takes the time to say four prayers to Krishna before he asks Krishna for help with this terrible weapon that's coming at him so quickly. We are asked to trust that we're neither alone, we're never abandoned, we're not forgotten by Krishna. And that type of living by one's faith is a, um, it's an intentional, you could even say it's an aggressive, proactive choice of our will. Mm. And we, we walk by faith more than by sight, because often Krishna is working on our, on our lives and in our heart uh, in a way that's beyond our view. <clears throat> and so Krishna's work in our lives is present despite our lack of awareness of it. But if we hear about Krishna, how great he is, how, you know, how we have a loving relationship with him, we feel more connected with him. And um, the Dami Budi Yogam Twam, Krishna starts helping us see his, his presence more and more in our lives. It's, it's a process. It's a process. And it's, it sometimes takes time even to get a answer to what we should be doing in any given circumstance. You know, Krishna has a different watch than we have. So <clears throat> this is um, connected to this point in this uh, verse. Ultimately, the shelter is the Lord and one who takes shelter of the Lord is protected. <coughs> So some uh, questions, comments, thoughts on this point. Um, any, any comments, questions so far? No? Okay. So continuing with this purport at the end. Uh, we can never, right at the very end, we can never be happy without the mercy of the Supreme Lord. Twad if we keep displeasing our Supreme Father, we shall never be happy within this material world in either the upper or lower planetary system. So, um, so we talked about this because, you know, you have to define to some extent what you mean by the word happy. Because you would think people in the heavenly planets say, you know, it's... Uh, the, the enjoyment there is, <clears throat> I think we've talked about this before, you know, we, the enjoyment there, it's not like, you know, everyone has a six pack of Budweiser or something like that, you know, or that the Soma, Soma Ross is like that. It, the, the enjoyment is more subtle. You know, it's, it's, it's more like, you know, the, a, a person who's more in the mode of goodness will appreciate, you know, Mozart more than, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I can't think of heavy metal groups, you know, ACDC or, you know, some, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Metallica. Heavy, heavy metal group. Um, we're on uh, 7 9 19. Um, 
So the enjoyment in the heavenly planets is subtle and, and, it, and it lasts a very, very long time. But here, the point being that unless you're actually in a, that, that happiness is really based on love, on the exchange between the, the, uh, the lover and the, and the, the, yeah, the lover, the lover and the loved. Um, and that's, re- that's what we're defining here as real happiness. And in the nectar of devotion, um, three of the six characteristics of pure devotional service are based on that. You know, the, in the sage of sadhana, um, it, it's, um, greater than material happiness. In the stage of bhava, it is, uh, moksha lugudakrit. It, it makes the enjoyment of impersonal liberation seem insignificant. And in the stage of prema, nothing else can enter into your consciousness. So it, it, so that's why, so therefore, you know, because you could, one could say, um, most, you know, I'm sometimes happy. But here Paul said, it doesn't matter if you go up or you go down, if you're displeasing Krishna, meaning that means you're not in a loving relationship with God, then can't, can't be happy by that definition, by the, the definition of eternity, of, of, you know, something temporary may be happy, but we know from the highest planet down to the lowest, all are place of misery because repeated birth and death take place. So comments, questions on this point? Uh, yeah. I do. Yes, Andy. Uh, in one of the future verses, I had time to look at the Sanskrit and what he translated as happiness was drops of honey in Sanskrit. So at the end of your life, you wouldn't say, you know, how is your life? Well, I did have some drops of honey. You know, I mean, they're nice, but, you know, that's all That's all they were saying. That's all worldly happiness is, a few drops of honey. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Yeah, thank you for uh, that. It's a beautiful concept. Yeah. <laughs> that's built into his translation. He saw the drops of honey. In drops it. of honey. He called it happiness, which is what they meant. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting how culturally different languages um, convey things differently. So, like, I know in, in Farsi, there's a lot of stuff that if you, it's a lot of the languages imbibed in this tradition of poetry that exists in Iran that a lot of people may not know about. That's their, that's their thing. And um, so, for instance, there's a lot of stuff that if you literally translate it word for word, by Western standard would sound preposterously melodramatic, you know? So for instance, the way that they say colloquial way to say, I want directly translates to my heart desires. And I don't think they necessarily hear it that way to them. It just probably equates the same way as I want, but nonetheless, that's, that's how it's formed. Like if you want to say, I miss somebody, it literally translates the colloquial way to my heart or my soul is tight for this person, you know? I would imagine there's probably a lot, a lot of that with Sanskrit. I don't know. Or Yeah. And, and these ancient cultures, you know, they had a lot. Of, uh, we, we were just, uh, Henry and I were just hearing a class this morning where the speaker was talking about someone who walked, uh, walked from Europe to India. And recently, in recent, mm-hmm. in recent days, not, not, you know, bygone days, um, had to 
take an airplane across uh, Pakistan. He wasn't allowed in Pakistan, but besides, or Afghanistan, I can't remember one of those two. Um, but the person really experienced wonderful culture in Iran that he was just, he, was, yeah. he had no money, zero, zero money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I don't know how he paid for the airfare, but anyway, he, he, you know, he didn't. Um, and everywhere in Iran, people would just, you know, have that uh, very similar to, to the ancient Vedic culture that, um, a, a guest at your door is considered a very auspicious thing. Mm-hmm. And they, they would feed him and, you know, mm-hmm. consider him like a saintly person. So. Yeah, it's a shame the way that Iran is, um, you know, kind of, uh, perceived. I mean, I think people who are somewhat learned know that, you know, there's a lot more going on there than a fanatical the- theocracy, you know, or, yeah. No, we, anyway, that's another story, I guess. No, but we had a, lot, a number of Iranian devotees that would come every year to the Govardhan retreat. They were connected with Sachinandan Swami. They were very, very wonderful people and, uh, very cultured, yeah, very nice. Mm-hmm. So that, that's true, though. Um, the way things are, even you know, um, for a Westerner, maybe the first time they read Bhagavatam and lotus this and lotus that, and I'm like, what's what's the big deal about a lotus? You know, of course, there is a philosophical point about a lotus, but but yes, the, you know the uh, or you know Krishna walked like uh, his gait was like that of an elephant, yeah. Because the reference is people who could see saw elephants, you know. Um, so that that that's a nice point you're making, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Anything else on this? All right. Then we're just going to the very next verse, actually. <clears throat> My dear Lord, everyone in this material world is under the modes of material nature, being influenced by goodness, passion, and ignorance. Everyone from the greatest personality, Lord Brahma, down to the small ant, works under the influence of these modes. Therefore, everyone in this material world is influenced by your energy, right? His material energy. So far, so good, right? <clears throat> but this get, it gets a little trickier. Uh, the cause for which they work, the, the place where they work, the time when they work, the matter due to which they work, the goal of life they have considered final, and the process for obtaining this goal, all are nothing but manifestations of your energy. Indeed, since the energy and energetic are identical, all of them are but manifestations of you. So that, that, that requires a little explanation, doesn't it? Because you could, you could possibly walk away from that with a kind of everything is one. Uh, but not really, not if you read it carefully, where it uses the word energies plural. So let's read a little bit of the purport in the beginning. <clears throat> Whether one thinks himself protected by his parents, by government, <clears throat> by some place, or by some other cause, everything is due to the various potencies, various potencies of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Everything that is done, whether in the higher, middle, or lower planetary systems, is due to the supervision or control of the Supreme Lord. It is therefore said, Karmana, Daivi, Netrena, Jantur Deho Papattai. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Super Soul within the core of everyone's heart, gives inspirations for action according to one's mentality. Okay, so Krishna gives us inspiration for action, but how, what is it based on? Not him, our mentality. All these mentalities are merely facilities given by Krishna um, 
to the person acting. And then in the next paragraph, although all such activities are non-different from the Lord, the Lord nonetheless directs sarvadharmam prajyamam ekam sharanam raja, give up all other duties and surrender unto me. When we accept this direction from the Lord, we can actually become happy. Now there's the happy point again. As long as we work according to our material senses, we are in material life, even though it's ultimately Krishna, right? We, right? But it's, it's a different energy. But as soon as we act according to the real transcendental direction of the Lord, our position is spiritual. The activities of bhakti, devotional service, are directly under the control of the Supreme Personality of God. And so that word directly is important. That That's the... They are directly under under the control. So it's another energy of the Lord. It's the spiritual energy. Bhakti, ultimately, Shrimati Radharani. So what is being said here is that, yes, para, uh, there's a verse in the Vedas, Parashya Shaktir Vividhaya Suyate, that Krishna has different energies. And so he has a material energy. He has us, which is the marginal energy. He has a spiritual energy. <clears throat> They're all his energies, ultimately. And they all come from him. Yet we choose, we have the free will to choose which energy we are, are under. <clears throat> uh, and that's the point being made here. So you can't say, no, I'm very Krishna conscious. I'm totally in Maya. I'm totally in the material energy. But that's also Krishna. <clears throat> but it's his material energy. It's not his internal energy. Okay, so uh, questions, comments, thoughts on this? Hare Krishna Prabhuji. Yes, Mataji. So I find it interesting, it's mentioned here that um, when we accept this direction from the Lord, we can actually become happy, meaning this, the surrender verse, which you just uh, read out from the purport. Yes. And uh, here it says, as long as we work according to our material senses, we are in material life. But as soon as we act according to real transcendental direction of Lord, our position is spiritual. So I was thinking, uh, even in uh, this uh, spiritual life, you know, because of our mixed modes, we could be in material consciousness, right? And we are trying to engage in bhakti. And we can think that now, oh, okay, I'm engaging in bhakti, so I'm directly under the control of the Lord, you know, I, sh I have the protection, but actually something through realization I'm learning is, uh, so this is an ongoing process of purification. And Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, the degree to which we surrender, uh, that to that degree he reciprocates. Mm -hmm. So while we are going through this process, it's certainly uh, inspiring to think we are on right track and we are having uh, you know, we are feeling all the inspiration and love in this life from devotees and Krishna. But actually, we, we could be uh, misidentifying all along also, right? We, we are not perfect yet. We could be misidentifying, you know, with, with all designations and anarthas in our hearts. My point being, uh, there is a goal there for which we are engaging in this process, this avidya, like you said earlier. And it, it is a process really. And here in, we hear that the process and the goal are same. Yet we carry on for so long, um, with different challenges, even in spiritual lives. Krishna says, um, uh, you know, I mean, Rupa Goswami says in Act of Instruction, we can, uh, we need to serve Krishna's 
uh, you know, that perfect way. I mean, I shouldn't say perfect, but the ideal way. But while we are not there yet, we are still having these challenges. We are giving in, uh, trying to give in best efforts, but we could be uh, doing mixed way bhakti, mixed bhakti. Yes. So then um, is it, uh, <clears throat> so the point I wanted to say is then, uh, are we still having the protection? But <laughs> seems like uh, <laughs> we act according to real transcendental direction of Lord. That's like a real ideal way, right? Well, this comes, Mataji, thank you so much for this point. It's a very important point. Um, it, the essential point, and it's going to come up, I think, next verse or the verse after that, is um, the blessings of the instructions of the pure devotee or, or the, you know, the spiritual masters. We will use plural because there's shiksha gurus and diksha gurus. And because they, if they're, they're, if they're engaged, they're engaged in pure devotional service. And when we follow their instructions, what happens is they and the parampara, they take that mixed devotional service and through their purity, uh, make it pure devotional service. And Krishna accepts it as pure devotional service, even though we may be on the lower stages of bhakti, um, since it's going through the via medium to Krishna, it gets purified. It's kind of like, you know, we, um, uh, maybe a year ago, we bought one of these, uh, it's called Zen water purifiers. I would find it to be great, you know, um, very tasty water and, and, uh, all that. So, you know, we take the tap water that has all kinds of other stuff in it and then put it through this, um, this filtering system. And then what comes out is pure water. So the, the, the spiritual masters are like the, um, filtration system in a, in a water purifying setup. And they take, you know, we may, we may, like you're saying, we had mis, um, misidentifications was a word you used and not there yet was another word that you used. Um, and the, if, but if we're in the boat, of the spiritual master's instructions, then even though the boats, the boats, you know, kind of getting pushed around a bit by the waves, uh, you know, and throwing here and there. And, and sometimes we start taking in a little water and we're, you know, we're dishing it out. But if we stay in the boat of, of the instructions coming from, you know, uh, through Srila Prabhupada and his, and his disciples um, and his grand disciples, then we're we're safe. So that's that's one way to look at this, and this will come up in in, in subsequent verses. Not directly, not directly the point about the purification, but the point about the necessity of a spiritual master. Um, beyond that, you're you're right that it is a gradual process. There's nine steps, right? The ado shradha tata sadhu sangata bhajana kriya anarta nivritti. Nishta, Ruchi, Ashakti, Bhava, Prema. Uh, beginning with a little faith, then doing some sadhana, then getting rid of the unwanted things in the heart, then becoming steady, then developing a taste, uh, Ashakti, uh, attachment, then taste, uh, Ruchi, and then Bhava, the preliminary stage of love of God, and then love of God. How does that sound, uh, Mataji? That's great, Prabhuji. Actually, you just uh, helped me remember, actually, 
that's how we actually make an offering right i mean let us look at the simplest example of bhoga offering we uh, make the offering to our guru maharaj in parampara then shila prabhupad makes the accepts that and makes the offering to the lordship so yes it perfectly makes sense and um and about the stages which you uh, help us revisit again and at times i have thought about it it's as we uh, constantly go through this process of taking the sadhu sangha engage in bhajan kriya and you know the things happening within our heart and continuing to stay on the path um yes uh, whatever activity we do uh, you know whatever process we engage in we we certainly need to remember constantly to take to the shelter of the lotus feet of uh, our gurus you know our shiksha gurus our diksha gurus if it applies so yes, that till we are really you know getting there we have that support and we feel yes we have the protection very good yes thank you 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 reminded me uh and uh, now i'm going to have to stop by your house sometime for prasadam because you're such a good cook and you're offering it through the for for all we are welcome anytime and it's very inspiring <laughs> you're saying that yeah <laughs> jeeva talk to me what time is your dinner <laughs> oh it's early just pulling your legs all right let us uh, anything yeah. else on this first yeah krishna also says ye yatham maam prapadante tasthai bhajame so as people surrender he reciprocates accordingly so yes so we thank you for that one um did you did i cut you off or did you want to add no, something no, no, no that that's it that's yes so krishna says that as we surrender unto him he rewards accordingly i was talking to a gentleman yesterday at the temple um and he was saying well how do we how do we get the intelligence to make the right choices uh and you know how does when does krishna give us the right guidance and i said well you know we um krishna directs us to the extent that we want him to direct us and if we want him to fully if we want to fully surrender to him and he will fully direct us and if we're thinking yeah i got i got this i got that but that thing you know it's up to us just just what you said manmohan exactly what you just said yeah he doesn't um interfere and at the same time he is anxious for us to um make the right choice right choice yeah, yeah. thank you thank you other points and let us professional prabhu oh yes nanimuki devi thank you i'm i'm reading this verse and i'm thinking that whatever reality we can perceive um our say our identity our ability our functionality uh our nama rupa guna lila and also those things of anyone else they are just emanated from krishna and also are bestowed by krishna according yeah, to our disposition yes And at this yes very very good point. Yeah by the way for those who don't know nam rup yuna lila is a name form qualities and activities or pastimes. Um yes. And at the same time we have our effort to make you know that you're right what you said so nice uh, uh nanimukhi mantri you know it it's it's bestowed by Krishna 
And at the same time, we have our work to do. Do you remember, Henry, what the, uh, the translation of sattva was today? No, I don't recall. Oh, okay. So we were on a, a class today. So, but sattva, which means goodness, not transcendental, but even sattva means, um, you know, seeing things as they are. And so our effort is to be sattvic, to be very clean, to be very honest, to be, um, uh, sense control, mind control, things like that. They, that helps us to start seeing things as they are instead of being totally uh, or partially or totally overwhelmed by the lower modes of material nature. We're not actually seeing things clearly. And that's a real great jumping off point to bhakti. To uh, It was interesting because um, actually the class I heard was after I did this, but still I felt good about it. When I woke up this morning, before I started chanting japa, I, I did like a maha cleanup of my room. And just to try to make it really sattvic, you know, and, and clean. And I, it's, it feels so nice, actually, to be in the room right now. And, and, and I felt that I, it was easier to chant when I did that. And so it's not clean. Cleanliness is not a purely spirit. You could be super clean and be not spiritual at all. But it helps. The, the sattva, um, the, uh, the truthfulness, you know, you could say a sattva. Um, is very helpful. So, so exactly what you're saying, Anandimuki, is exactly the um, the most important thing is that Krishna reveals, and then with the things that we can do to um, invoke or, or request Krishna to reveal to us. So it comes from both sides. Okay, so let's go on to we're going up to twenty four. But each of these verses we could talk about, they're so amazing. Um, prayers, not just verses. O Lord, O Supreme Eternal, by expanding, this is 21, your plenary portion, you have created the subtle bodies of the living entities through the agency of your external energy, which is agitated by time. So he's explaining some of creation. Maya is uh, material world is set forth. Um, and time is the thing that kind of gets it all going once the elements are there. Thus the mind entraps the living entity in unlimited varieties of desires to be filled by the Vedic directions of karma conduct, fruit of activity, and the 16 elements. <clears throat> Who can get free from the entanglement, this entanglement, unless he takes shelter at your lotus feet? So one thing here, you can see the context. You know, we were talking about that a little bit with Dean a few minutes ago, that here, unlimited material desires, that's following the material part of the Vedic directions, karma kanda. Most people in the world today don't follow the karma kanda in order to satisfy their material desires, right? <laughs> they just, you know, go to, you know, um, but it, well, do the different things that people do to enjoy life in this world. So, so, you know, the context uh, that Prahlad Maharaj is talking about is very different than 2021 in the Western world. <clears throat> but still the point remains that totally valid, that the mind entraps us. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's uh, move on to the next verse, 22. My dear Lord, O Supreme Great, you have created this material world of 16 constituents, 
um, 16 different elements. Um, the, there, you can, there's different ways to describe that, but it could be the, um, the 10, the, uh, five knowledge acquiring senses, the five working senses, the five sense objects and the mind. That's one way to look at it. That, that would be 16. <clears throat> so you understand what that are, right? The eyes, ears, nose, sense of touch. Uh, and I missed one. And then the working senses, the anus, the genitals, the legs. And somebody help me with these, Nanimuki, someone. I'm missing a few of the, uh, what was that, Andy? Some of the working senses. There's five working senses and five knowledge. Smell. smell. Oh, yeah. It's legs, oh, hands. Oh, hands. Oh, oh the working ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay so we got, well, you got, oh, you're right. I missed smell. I missed smell. Well, I missed the nose, right? Yeah. Yeah. The nose. And then the five sense objects are smell, um, sight, uh, sight, taste, touch. Yes. And what's the fifth one? Yo, sound, sound, of course. Sound, vision. Okay. Yeah. And then there's the minds. That makes 16. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that just shows how entangling it is. You don't see your eyes, so you take them for granted. They're yeah. seeing for you, but you don't see your own eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then, then, you, then you understand what real love is when the gopis are upset at the creator for creating eyelids where you sometimes blink. And so for that split second, you don't see Krishna. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty intense love. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, but you are transcendental to their material qualities. In other words, these material qualities are under your full control. He created them and you are never conquered by them. That is a very significant sentence if we understand how often we, how continuously we are conquered by our mind and senses and attracted to the sense objects. Therefore, the time element is your representation. My Lord, O Supreme, no one can conquer you. As for me, however, I am being crushed by the wheel of time, and therefore I, full, I surrender fully unto you. Now kindly take me under the protection of your lotus feet. So yes, we, we, it's so easy as, uh, as the day progresses to forget that actually our stay in this planet, in this body is very, very temporary. Because we, you know, we just get caught up in all the stuff that we have to do during the day. And it's, uh, keeping that in mind is not easy. Okay. Now the next verse is 23. My dear Lord, people in general want to be elevated to the higher planetary systems for a long duration of life. Again, that's not what everyone today wants, but that was in his time, the Vedic understanding of the world. Uh, long duration of life, opulence and enjoyment. But I have seen all of these through the activities of my father, Hiranyakashipu. When my father was angry and he laughed sarcastically at the demigods, they were immediately vanquished simply by seeing the movements of his eyebrows. Yet my father, who was so powerful, has now been vanquished by you within a moment. My dear Lord, now I have complete experience concerning the worldly opulence, mystic power, longevity, and other material pleasures enjoyed by all living entities from Lord Brahma down to the end. As powerful time, you destroy them all. 
Therefore, because of my experience, I do not wish to possess them. My dear Lord, I request you to place me in touch with your pure devotees and let me serve him as a sincere servant. Let's read this purport. By studying Srimad Bhagavatam, every intelligent person can get experience like that of Prahlad Maharaj through the historical incidents mentioned in this great literature of spiritual knowledge. By following the footsteps of Prahlad Maharaj, one should gain through experience that all material opulence is perishable at every moment. Even this body, for which we try to acquire so many sensual pleasures, may perish at any time. The soul, however, is eternal. Nahanyate hanyamane sharire. The soul is never vanquished, even when the body is destroyed. An intelligent man, therefore, should care for the happiness of the spirit's soul, not the body. Even if one receives a body with a long duration of life, like those of Lord Brahma and the other great demigods, it will also be destroyed. And therefore, an intelligent man should be concerned with the imperishable spirit soul. To save oneself, one must take shelter of a pure devotee. Narottamadas Thakur therefore says, Tadiya Vaishnava Seva Nishthara Payecha Keva. Um, if one wants to save himself from material nature's onslaughts, which arise because of the material body, one must become Krishna conscious and try to fully understand Krishna. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, Janma Karma Chame Divyam Evam Yoveti Tattva. One should understand Krishna in truth. And how do you do that? This can, uh, this can, this one can do only by serving a pure devotee. So how do you, what are different ways to serve a pure devotee? Hare Krishna. Yes, Jeeva Prabhu. So again, uh, there are two ways by, you know, following the instructions. And then the, that's one, which is Vani Seva. And then Vapu Seva is by serving them physically, by taking care of them physically. So those are the two ways. And as Srila Prabhupada, as well as Srila Rupa Goswami, he describes Vani Seva is superior. It's not that we should ignore Vapu Seva, but Vani Seva is superior by following the instructions. And that's like Anushilan of following the footsteps of previous Acharyas. We can see how by following the instructions, we can purify ourselves and attain perfection. Very nice. Very, very nicely said. Very nicely said. Yes, there's Vani is the instructions and Bapu means the physical form um, and yeah so now we'll, we'll, I think we'll hear yeah we'll hear a little bit more about why is this thus Balad Maharaj prays that Lord Nishingadev place him in touch with a pure devotee and servant instead of awarding him material opulence every ma- intelligent man within this material world must follow Balad Maharaj Mahajano Yenakata Sapanta Balad Maharaj did not want to enjoy the estate left by his father. Remember that estate was huge, right? It was, it was parts of the universe. <laughs> Rather, he wanted to become a servant of the servant of the Lord. Imagine the difference, right? You could, you know, the average person would say, well, forget it. I don't care if I have to serve so-and-so. I get all this. I look what I get. But that's not what he wanted. The illusory human civilization that perpetually endeavors for happiness through material advancement is rejected by Prahlad Maharaj and those who strictly follow in his footsteps. 
So, um, because the greatest gift in life or the greatest opulence is having the Lord pleased with us. And by far, we've, we've discussed this so many times, by far the greatest way to please the Lord is to please those that he loves. Such a simple thing. Such a simple thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, let's see. Um, I just give example of some of us here uh, are, um, are married. So let's say, um, you know, your uh, wife is in some terrible danger. Maybe she's being chased down by some, uh, you know, some thieves or rogues or murderers, you know, and some uh, very kind-hearted bystander saves her, right? Imagine how indebted you feel towards that uh, good Samaritan, right? You'd feel so, uh, you'd feel so indebted that, uh, that they came to her, uh, you know, her protection, you know, um, and so that, that would probably be, you probably couldn't find a way for him to, you know, uh, that, that good Samaritan to win your heart better than that. Right. You just be, you practically feel, uh, so indebted. I remember, um, this is a little different, but my, my father-in-law was, um, he was a, a brigadier general in the Irish army. And he, um, he was in Africa, some war. I don't know which one. Anyway, he saved one gentleman's life. This is a slightly different story, but you get the point. And that gentleman, every year for the rest of his life, sent him a Christmas card every Christmas. And, you know, never forgot <laughs> that he did that and uh, always remembered his indebtedness. So Krishna loves his devotees so much. It's what he, you know, it's, it's, it, he is the most lovable and he loves his devotees so much. So when we please one of his devotees <clears throat> and it's just like, yeah, okay. What can I do for you? Right. Just like we would do, we would say that to a person that may have, you know, saved our wife or something. Oh, what can I do for you? You know, you know, thank you so much. What can I do to uh, try to reciprocate with your kindness? So Krishna does that much big time. So that's, <clears throat> and, and Krishna's, it's Krishna's system. I mean, Jesus said the same thing, right? No one can go through the Father but through me, right? Um, Krishna says, oh, you want to become my devotee? Serve this, uh, then serve this, serve, serve my other devotees. Please my other devotees. So that's, that's, that's Krishna's system. And Prahlad Maharaj understood this. And therefore, instead of wanting the kingdom of his father, he wanted to become the servant of the servant of the Lord. Okay, so any questions, comments on that point? Hare Krishna Prabhu. So, Srila Prabhupada gives a very nice example of uh, if there is a rich man and you approach the rich man, how can you please the rich man? But if the rich man has a son, just with one rupee you can buy a nice ice cream or a chocolate and you give to the son, and the son is pleased and the father is pleased. Very what do we have compared to what Krishna has? Everything belongs to him. But when we serve a devotee, you know, who's very dear to Krishna, Krishna is pleased and we get his mercy. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else on this point? Nani Mukhi, usually you have comments on this sort of stuff. Um, no, I think... Hare Krishna. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nani Mukhi. Go ahead, Anna. 
she's she's uh, she's uh, what is that? What do they say in the Congress? She's uh, yielding her time to the gentleman from Maryland. Now, I just want to say the other point: he's accepting the service of of a servant, right? Mm. Also, the other important point is he he is rejecting the world, the whole world. So it's 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 part and parcel. You accept this service, right? But you also have to reject. You can't say, okay, I accept God into my heart, and then keep doing everything exactly the same way. I think you have to reject uh, circumstances, too. Yes, and uh, totally 110% agree. And it becomes easier to do that. Uh, there's a verse that says, Janiyat yasubaira gyam kanam chayat ahoytakam, that the, the, the joy that one feels in one's heart by being connected with God, being connected with Krishna, it makes it, it makes other things, other pleasures of this world pale. So it becomes a lot easier to do that. It's not, uh, so artificial. Now you said something, you, I thought you were going on to something else. So just before uh, we go to Nandimuki, let, let's talk about this. What about accepting service now, uh, from others? Um, looks like it did do some raining here now. Yeah, it's raining now, by the way. Uh, <laughs> raining here. And, yeah. Okay. Um, accepting service from others is, is an interesting, see a devotee doesn't want that. They definitely, definitely don't want that. We, we were also in the class that Henry and I were in today. The speaker was talking about how the, the, a real devotee is so focused on giving uh, on God, on Krishna, that they're just not, you know, they, they don't want, why would you want to serve me? What, who am I? You know, forget it. You know, and they, 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 they avoid anything that is not God-centered and is it is them-centered, right? Um, and, and he gave an example of a God-brother of Prabhupada. This devotee was in, in um, Vrindavan once, and uh, they, they were, you know, in those days, uh, there weren't that many devotees at Mangalarti and, they, or at Guru Puja, and they, they saw that this god brother of Prabhupada's in the, um, um, paying respects to Srila Prabhupada, and they all wanted to go and honor him. And the next thing they know, he, he disappeared. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want that. So that's the mood of a devotee. Now, sometimes, though, the, the, a devotee will accept the, the distasteful thing of service from disciples or well-wishers uh, for their benefit but always passing it on. And so Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, Srila Prabhupada's guru, um, there's a beautiful lecture that he gave on this where he said, an outsider might see, who is this guy sitting on this big seat? I'm now making it a little, he didn't say guy, but you know, who's this? He used such lofty English. But, you know, accepting this worship, you know, this, this is just self-aggrandizement. Um, but then he goes on to explain, and, she, and anytime a disciple would pay obeisances to him. Either, either externally or internally, he would say, Dasos me. He said, I'm your servant. But he would accept the, the uh, honor, um, but, but focusing completely on passing it on to his guru and to Krishna. So Andy, I thought that's what you're getting at. You didn't get it, but still, thank you for that. Thank you very much. Nani Mukhi? Hi, Ray Krishna Prabhu, at your request. Okay. I was thinking about what what is what does it mean by serve someone? And my reflection is that um serve someone means um we 
vacate our heart and make it completely available to to the other person. We we think about them. We give attention to them. We empathy their emotion and etc. Right, right. Very nice. And that and that that may sometimes mean austerities. We were hearing about uh, this devotee Koshtuba Prabhu, who you might know, um, who does the uh, wisdom of the sages, and that he was at a retreat where he was very busy. He was one of the hosts of the retreat. Um, and but still, uh, Radha Swami went up to him and said, "I need something edited." And even though Koshtuba, you know, had to give so much time to all the people at the retreat and this and that, he stayed up all night or most of the night and edited that because, you know, he just wanted to serve. Of course, we sometimes have to be um, a little careful about that. Um, if we if we ruin our health, for example, we, we can't be of long-term service. But this was, you know, a one-time thing. But, but, uh, but as general, um, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, I mentioned this before, it says about Rupa Goswami that he was always eager to serve. That was with the exact words. He was always eager to serve. And that was his qualification for getting Lord Chaitanya's mercy. So it's, when you think about it, it is the antithesis of material consciousness to be always willing to serve others, to please others, and ultimately to please Krishna. Um, instead of looking out for number one. Yes. Yeah. He's always available. Yes, That's, uh, yes, a real servant is always uh, available. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just one more thing. Uh, Prahlad Maharaj here is, is quoting his been experienced in a way, in the sense that um, he, is, he has acquired knowledge and renunciation. Mm, yes. And, and then, yeah, by natural tint of his bhakti, right? Yeah, and but by that experience and renunciation, he could make his heart available to be a servant of Krishna. Servant. Very nice. Yes. Yeah. Well, that and that goes together with what Andy was saying. You know, uh, they kind of go hand in hand, don't they? You know, you 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 when you when you're not looking out for number one and you're not thinking about you know when can I buy the new Tesla. And all this sort of, you know, that's your full concentration or whatever. Um, it leaves space in your heart for more noble thoughts and more uh, spiritual thoughts. Yeah. Very nice. Hmm. I was going to say something else now. I, it skipped my mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask Henry, because, you know, Henry's a world, literally a world traveler uh, over the years. And... It's quite a difference, Henry. I'm sure you've been at hotels where they just like, whatever your wishes. Yes, Mr. Sholkoff, what, what can I do for you? Right. And, and you've probably been at some pretty bad places where they're like, you know, you, you try to ring up the, the, the front desk and uh, they don't, nobody answers or and you try to get room service and it comes three hours late. Right. Is, have you had both experiences? Yes, certainly have, you know, yes. And what's your and your tendency? Even if it's a little more expensive, you probably would be go to one of the, those places that really has that service attitude. Yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice to be really well taken care of, and uh, yeah. definitely 
But um, but then some of the places I was on adventure trips or something. I remember one place in Zimbabwe I was staying, you know, back in the eighties, and there was no one at the front desk for about all night, you know. <laughs> Self serve, yeah. I mean, I guess if, if if you know that ahead of time and you still choose there because it's Zimbabwe, that may be one thing. But yes, uh, I totally get that. And I remember seeing um, the training that they try to give to people in the Marriott organization. And, you know, even if you're busy doing something and someone asks for directions, you don't just point them or you go down to the second door. You actually walk with them, you know, and that so the training of being a servant. So, um, you know, of being of good service. Yes, Henry. You know, I was just thinking about that. If you the door where the employees come out into the lobby, like right on the other side of that door, there's a big sign on the wall in the Marriott's that has all these different things that you're supposed to do like that, you know, like walk people exactly where they want to go and all those things. So there's and, and it, it's really it's really good training. It really is good. training. Yeah. So so that's what we want to you know, it gives us some hint of the attitude uh that we want to have towards a servant of krishna's devotees and krishna mm, gives us some some idea of course you know they're doing it for their paycheck which is you know understandable you got to put your potties on the table <coughs> uh or if you're from bengal we got you got to put a mountain of rice on the table <laughs> but um, but it gives some idea it gives some idea of course the uh, oh we also heard in class today that the best example of this is, is the mother, right? The mother, you know, she, she can't be, you know, to be a mother's love means she's setting aside all of her priorities because the baby's crying, the baby's hungry, the baby's cold, the baby's warm, the baby's this, the baby's that, right? And, and you just have to, if you're, if you're a good mother, you can't, you just can't be, uh, you can't be thinking, oh, no, but I have a, you know, a two o'clock appointment to get my nails done. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, the, uh, and therefore Prabhupada said that the closest thing to pure love in the material world is a mother's love for their child. Yeah. I was thinking sometimes I used to have a big house and I used to have a lot of house guests. And actually, sometimes at night, I'd be worried, you know, I wonder, did I put enough towels in that room? Or did I put enough blankets in that room? Or is that person comfortable? Is the air conditioning too high? I just start worrying about my guests a little bit, you know. Right. Nice. So Christian is a person. And as much as he doesn't need our blankets or our towels or this or that, um, he accepts our service, and that's the idea of having deities in the temple that are accepting the devotees' service, part of the reason. Uh, and the devotees, especially those fortunate souls living at the temple, they're like God's personal servants. And they, there's six offerings a day that have to be cooked, um, <clears throat> new garlands every single day, change of cloth twice a day, all of this, six artiques a day. Yeah. It gets, they, you can imagine they're very fortunate they can get in the mood of being a servant very nicely. One time, towards the end of Prabhupada's time with us, he once said that Pujari is the most fortunate person in the universe. Yeah. Okay, shall we go on? Um, the next verse is 27. So 25. In this material world, every living entity desires some future happiness which is exactly like a mirage in the desert. 
trust no future, however bright is one saying. When the water, where is water in the desert? Or in other words, where is happiness in this material world? As for this body, what is its value? It is merely a source of various diseases. The so-called philosophers, scientists, and politicians know this very well, but nonetheless, they aspire for temporary happiness. Happiness is very difficult to obtain, but because they are unable to control their senses, they run after the so-called happiness of the material world and never come to the right conclusion. So remember the Shastra and the great devotees offered looking at the world through the eyes of eternity. So obviously we don't we say we don't say what as for the body, what's its value is merely a source of disease. Therefore, we don't we don't take care of it, we don't exercise, we don't know. That's not the point. But the point is we put it in perspective that it's we do take care of it to use nicely in Krishna's service and to be of service to you know get things done in this world. But it's not the ultimate goal of life. It is, you know, as the Bible says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. 26. Oh, my Lord, O oh Supreme, because I was born in a family full of the hellish material qualities of passion and ignorance, what is my position? And what is, what is to be said of your causeless mercy, which was never offered even to Lord Prama, Lord Shiva, or the goddess of fortune, Lakshmi? You never put your lotus hand upon their heads, but you have put it upon mine. He's thinking himself very, very, very fortunate. <laughs> 27. Unlike an ordinary living entity, my Lord, you do not discriminate between friends and enemies, the favorable the favorable, and the unfavorable, because for you, there is no conception of higher and lower. Nonetheless, you offer your benedictions according to the level of one's service, exactly as a desire tree delivers fruits according to one's desires, and makes no distinction between lower and higher, between the lower and the higher. Okay, so this is a very important concept to make sure we have grasped. So we'll read the purport in the beginning. In the Bhagavad Gita 4.11, which is the verse that uh, Man Prabhu quoted earlier, the Lord clearly says, As one surrenders to me, I reward him accordingly. As stated by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Jivara Swarupahaya Krishnera Nityadas, every living being is an eternal servant of Krishna. According to the service the living entity renders, he automatically receives benedictions from Krishna, who does not make distinctions thinking, here is a person in an intimate relationship with me, and here is a person I dislike. Krishna advises everyone to surrender to him. One's relationship with the Supreme Lord is in proportion to that surrender and the service one renders to the Lord, unto the Lord. Thus, throughout the entire world, the higher or lower positions of the living entities are selected by the living entities themselves. That's the key, very key point. Krishna doesn't put us in a rich birth or a poor birth or a, you know, a demigod birth or a demon birth or this, that. It's based on our desires, our activities. Read that sentence again. It's very important. Thus, throughout the entire world, the higher or lower positions of the living entities are selected by the living entities themselves. If one is inclined to dictate that the Lord grants something, one receives benediction according to his desire. If one wants to be elevated to the higher planetary systems, the heavenly planets, he can be promoted to the place he desires. And if one wants to remain a hog or a pig on earth, the Lord fulfills that desire also. Therefore, one's position is determined by one's desires. 
Of course, you also have to, it's not mentioned here, but Prabhupada also say first deserve, then desire. So you, of course, you have to have performed the activities to go to the heavenly planets and it, you don't have, you know, you don't have to work very hard to perform the activities to become a lower birth. The Lord is not responsible for the higher or lower grades of our existence. So he creates the system, but where we are in the system is up to us. This is explained in the Gita. Yanti deva prata devam pratim yanti pratim prataha. Utani yanti buteja yanti mam yajinopimam. Which means, uh, well, some people want to be promoted to the heavenly planets, some want to be promoted to Prithvi Loka, and some want to remain on earth. But if one is interested in returning back to Godhead, he can be promoted there also. According to the demands of a particular devotee, he receives a result by the grace of the Lord. The Lord does not discriminate, thinking, here is a person favorable to me, and here is a person who is not favorable. Rather, he fulfills the desires of everyone. And therefore, this famous verse, Akama sarvakama va mukshakama udharadi tevjena bhakti yogena yajeta purusham param. Whether one is without desires, material desires, the condition of a devotee, or is desirous of all fruit of that results, I want to be rich, famous as that, or is after liberation, I want this, this, I want to become one with God, this world stinks. One should, with all efforts, try to worship the Supreme Personality of God and for complete perfection culminating in Krishna consciousness. According to one's position, whether as a devotee, a karmi, or a jnani, Whatever one wants, one can get if one fully engages in the service of the Lord. So this is a very, very important concept. We can't, you know, blame Krishna for our karmic situation. It is based on our activities and our um, desires. And Krishna is actually equal to everyone. Everyone is his, his eternal servant. Now, that, you know, one could, one could scratch their head Therefore, when they read in the Bhagavad Gita, chapters 16, I believe it's 19 and 20, talking about the demoniac people, uh, those who are envious and mischievous, who are the lowest among men, I perpetually cast into the ocean of material existence into various demoniac species of life. <clears throat> Attaining repeated birth amongst the species of demoniac life. O son of Kunti, such persons can never approach me. Gradually, they sink down to the most abominable type of existence. So two things here. The, it's explained in the commentaries of this verse that they they get those kind of births because that's what they want. They they don't want Krishna. And so Krishna doesn't force himself upon them. And it's not literally perpetually forever, because we you know that we that we have to sync up with the verse that we're reading right now, where everyone is Krishna's eternal servant, and Krishna doesn't favor someone or not favor anyone or someone else. In this chapter 16, the divine and the baniac nature in the Gita, Krishna is just saying he fulfills the desires of those who are not um, interested in him. Um, yes, it says, um, Baladeva Jibhushan says that, um, yeah, the, uh, Krishna yeah, basically says Krishna reciprocates with their desire. <clears throat> what would be an example of a like a demonic birth. Um, is it just taking birth as, say, like a, maybe an aggressive animal, you think, that sort of just knows fear and aggression? or? Um, well, it might not necessarily be on this planet. Right. Um, that's one point. But 
uh, uh, I could imagine if you were born into a, um, a family that owns a slaughterhouse <laughs> and is mercilessly killing cows, you know, hundreds a day. And, you know, you grow up um, doing that, you know, dad did it, my grandfather did it, I'm going to do it also. <laughs> that would be, I would think, a, uh, a example um yeah you know i mean there's a standard you know hitler mussolini's you know uh, of, of the world but um also things like that that cause severe harm to other people mm-hmm. Is that all right yeah, yeah kind of reminds me of, of something um just I, I think like there are a lot of psychologists you know, we, we look at Hitler and what happened in Germany and, of course, cast a, a downward stare. How could people let that happen? And I think it's widely accepted that the reality is the vast majority of people placed in that same situation probably would have done the same thing. In other words, the, the, um, the fortitude that it takes to resist mm-hmm. the social psychology going on, no matter how... Yes, perverse or, or backwards it may seem is something that very few people actually have. <laughs> yeah, peer pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hysteria. Yeah, that that is definitely uh, true, and that's why I didn't necessarily point out the some of the followers, but um, but yeah, and that's what's so special about this chapter because we have to understand that. Of course, we know Hiranyakashipu ultimately is a devotee and all that. But he was much worse than Hitler in, in, in a lot of ways. And here's Prahlad born in that family, born of Hiranyakashipu's Semina. And a great, it's, it's I mean, it's, uh, this, it's one of the big instructions uh, of the Bhagavatam, this, these chapters, because Krishna is showing that, you know, it's not by birth. It's not based on your birth. Um, it's based on great association and he got the association of Narada Muni uh, even when he was in the womb of his mother his mother got the association he was there inside like that so yeah I mean that's that's one of the big takeaways here and the Bhagavatam is like that you know the, the Bhagavatam really shows the power of bhakti by not always but sometimes showing examples of that kind of turn upside down the traditional ideas of the traditional culture, right? That, you know, everything's based on birth. Well, here you have um, Prahlad Maharaj and later or earlier we had Vritrasura also born a, not in a demoniac family. Or, you know, we think that um, uh, spirituality is generally a male. Um, there's one, woman uh, um, philosopher who said that traditionally um, transcendence was a male occupation. And then we have Queen Kunti when, you know, saying some of the most amazing prayers um, in the first cantos, some of the most beautiful prayers in the whole Bhagavatam are from a, a, a woman, right? Or, or um, the four Kumaras, you know, five years old being these great devotees. There's so many examples of kind of like Bhagavatam not sticking to the um what would be to be expected in terms of 
culture. Yeah, Jiva or Ananda Rupa, you have your hand up? Hare Krishna Prabhu. So you raise a very important point. And sometimes we look at the scriptures to find the evidence, right? Every time something controversial comes out, like today, there's one topic, like can women be the gurus, right? Right. And then we look at the four parampras and there is a whole parampra coming from goddess of fortune, Lakshmi. She is Sampradaya. So there is no question if you look at the scriptures, but you know, if you misinterpret, then we could be bewildered. Yeah. Yeah, we have to so we have to um yes, we ha- we have to um, uh, go to the scriptures uh empty handed and say, My dear Shastra, please teach me. Instead of I already know what I think is right. Now I'll find the quotes that I, I think I gave this example when I was a kid, right? That uh we would at the holiday time we would get these boxes of chocolate and uh um, you know, they're, they're little individually wrapped ones, right? And some were milk chocolate and some were dark chocolate. And my brother and I didn't like the dark chocolate. So we would pick and choose all just the way. And by the, you know, by the new year come, came around and there was still the dark chocolate ones sitting around. So we sometimes do that with quotes from the scripture. We pick the ones that we like and we quote those. And the ones that we, that don't jive with our understanding, we kind of like set them aside somehow. <laughs> so we don't want to do that. Uh, in the verse 32 of the 10th chapter of the Gita, Krishna talks about this, that that Vada is the dispassionate search for the truth. And Bitanda and Jalpa are, um, let's just say, tricky ways to try to defeat others and get your own way. Whether it's right or wrong, that's not the point. The point is winning. So let's do one more verse. I don't remember reading this... Uh... Kind of like um, discussion, I don't know, or talk, or, or I don't know if you wrote it, but it was, you know, Albert Einstein, and somehow the question of, of God came up, and, you know, what, in his opinion, God is, if there is one, etc. And he kind of gives a, a, like a unformed answer, but then he discusses it, and I think he kind of concludes that, Yes, there there is one. There's always another question, but then describing in describing what a per, what a person who you know is in tune with God would be, it involved this person who was kind of you know uh, using the tools of science to acquire unknown, et cetera, et cetera. It was just interesting to me that like clearly one of the smartest people has ever walked the earth. And I don't think he realized he effectively described himself. So in other <laughs> words, he had like, he had like morphed his concept of the ideal person pursuing God around right. what he had effectively been himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to talk about the, the cherry picking of, of stuff. That yes. Happens. And cherry picking goes on. I remember um, maybe that. A month ago, I was in a grocery store and um, I was uh, wanted to get some kale. And I didn't know whether to get the... And I, I remember reading someplace that certain produce are more... Uh, they more kind of, what's for lack of a better word, grab onto pesticides and you should really get the organic. And others like avocados, you don't really need to pay more money for the uh, uh, organic. It doesn't really change much, right? So I, so I was looking up on my phone, you know, the difference. So I didn't know if I should pay more money and get the organic or 
you know, get the uh, conventional. And so I, I checked one website and uh, it's, oh no, you know, one of the highest uh, contaminants is, um, you know, it's in the bad, kale is in the bad uh, category. So I was just about to, uh, okay, I'll buy the, I'll, I'll spend more money and buy the organic. And then I saw an article, I think in Forbes of all places, uh, saying that all that research that you find about about the organic versus the conventional is done by organic farming uh, uh, lobbyists. <laughs> so that's like, in other words, you know, tilting the scale, right? Because they, in other words, they they're promoting a study that. And then Forbes went on to say there's really not that much difference at all. And so, it was, you know, a, yeah. an example, an example of wanting to win an argument, put an argument in a certain way, perhaps in order to, you know, in this case, make more money. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. What a world. You can't even buy kale, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like these politicians that can't say the word science enough. And yet you can read the quote science and five different papers will come to five different conclusions. And, you right. know, if ever the modern era has proved that science is a false religion. Um, uh, right. So we didn't get very far in terms of the number of verses, but I told you that this chapter will probably be going through a little slowly. Um, We'll start, um, I don't think that we should push it to get through 28 today, because it's a famous verse, uh, and we should give it its due. So 28, and I'll, and I'll really try, I know I've been really bad the last few uh, weeks at sending out uh, the verses to read ahead of time. You know, I'm getting it to you on a Saturday night. Oh my God, look at that picture. Henry's background. <laughs> uh, the... The woman in the center there is my mentor. Her name is Mary Rowe. She's been the ombudsman at MIT for 45. She's a professor at MIT. And that's Shesha Prabhu and my son and me. <laughs> in front of it. What's she a professor of? Uh, um, conflict resolution. That's oh, okay. the Sloan School of Business, which is part of so, Sloan School of Management, which is part of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's the person who came up with the two phrases that are really part of the American lexicon now. In the 1970s, she was the first person to coin the phrase sexual harassment and first person to coin the phrase uh, micro-affirmations. And uh, very nice, uh, very loves the Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. Loves the Bhagavad Gita. So anyway, that was a meeting we were having at Henry's old house. Okay, so we will um, So we'll start with... Uh, 28 and 31 next week and then carry on maybe we'll finish the chapter we'll see they're such beautiful prayers and they're so philosophical in nature like that but uh thank you very much everyone i hope you, you have a very pleasant week in krishna consciousness Bye, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it.